this morning. I thank you that you're here by your spirit to bring transformation as we sit under your word. I thank you that you'd illuminate your word into our hearts, into our minds, into our spirits, that your word never, never passes away. It continues to do what you've released it into our lives to do. So, Father, I thank you that this morning as we sit under your word, it brings transformation, it brings change, it brings life, it brings healing, it brings hope, it brings restoration. Lord, I thank you that it brings fulfillment. So, Lord, this morning we commit the, the preaching of your word to you. I thank you that you be glorified and exalted as a result of your word in Jesus' wonderful name this morning. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Um, there are some sermon notes that are available uh, with this morning's message uh, for you. You can also, um, if you have the Version app, you can follow along on the sermon notes using the Version app. If you go into there, look at event, and then you type in to search and find an event. If you type in Infuse Church, it will come up, and you can follow this morning's message through on Version because I uploaded it yesterday. So there's a number of ways that you can do that. So uh, this morning, um, we're going to be continuing on uh, with a short series that we're doing on uh, Second Peter, the book of Second Peter. The last time I spoke, I talked about uh, being fully equipped for life out of 2 Peter chapter 1. And this morning, I'm going to be talking about whose voice carries more weight out of 2 Peter chapter 2. So I'm just going to read this through uh, very quickly, uh, so we've got some idea of where we're going to be heading this morning. So 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 starts out this way. <clears throat> but there are also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who brought them. In this way, they will bring, bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. For God did not spare even the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell in the gloomy pits of darkness where they are held until the day of judgment. And God did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and the seven others in his family. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. So God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. Later, God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and turned them into heaps of ashes. He made them an example of what will happen to godly, ungodly people. Uh, but God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness that he saw and heard day after day. So you see, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of final judgment. He is especially hard on those who follow their own twisted sexual desire and who despise authority. These people are proud and arrogant, daring even to scoff at supernatural beings without so much as trembling. But the angels who are far greater in power and strength do not dare to bring from the Lord a charge of blasphemy against these supernatural beings. These false teachers are like unthinking animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed. They scoff at things that they do not understand and like animals they will be destroyed. Their destruction is their reward for the harm that they've done. They love to indulge in evil pleasures in broad daylight. They are a disgrace and a stain among you. They delight in deception, even as they eat with you in your fellowship meals. They commit adultery with their eyes, and their desire for sin is never satisfied. They lure unstable people into sin, and they are well trained in greed. 
They live under God's curse. They have wandered off the right road and followed the footsteps of Balaam, son of Beor, who lived to earn money by doing wrong. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course when his donkey rebuked him with a human voice. Now, I'd like to have seen that. (laughs) These people are as useless as dried up springs or as mist blown away by the wind. They are doomed to blackest darkness. They brag about themselves with empty, foolish boasting. With an appeal to twisted sexual desires, they lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle of deception. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption, for you are a slave to whatever controls you. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. It would be better if they had never known the way to righteousness than to know it and then reject the command that they were given to live a holy life. They proved the truth of this proverb, a dog returns to its vomit. And another one says, a, pig, a washed pig returns to the mud. That's the word of the Lord this morning. I hope you're encouraged <laughs> and blessed by that. Uh, I think it's uh, wonderful that God can speak to us so, so well and so eloquently. And uh, I pray that, uh, Lord, Lord, help me do something with this in Jesus' name. It's going to be great. Cool. Um, I want to talk to you about this morning something that uh, I, I had laid on my heart out, out of this passage. And it's simply that whose voice carries more weight? Whose voice carries more weight? Growing up as a child, I uh, had the safety and security in believing that my parents were teaching me and getting me ready for life. I trusted their authority and uh, believing that they would care for me and tell me the truth and help me to grow up and to prepare for life. How that's got anything to do with Father Christmas or the Easter Bunny, I'm not really sure, but that was part of what they helped me to, to bring me up and to learn about in life. So who we believe a person is says a lot about how much credibility we will actually give their words. Who we believe a person is will help us to understand the credibility, the credibility of a person's life. If we don't trust a person, then we won't trust what they tell us. And that's why I find social media to be such a trap for people today. Just because someone said something on social media doesn't make it true, doesn't make it right, or something that we need to to install within our lives. Please don't throw your brains out when you're looking at social media, okay? Hang on to your brains. They're going to come in handy at some point, all right? So just because the culture in our society allows freedoms for certain people to live as they please doesn't mean that we adopt their way of life. This passage to me talks about certain people that will try to distract us from the truth of who Jesus is. Not only will people try to do that, but our culture will try to do that as well. It's not just about the people out there that are doing things. It's culture. It's society. It's the way that our, our, our communities are being formed that we, you know, they are trying to get us to live or to accept a certain way of living. And quite often that's going to be contrary to what the Word of God tells us to do. And the way that Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, helps us to live a life that's honoring and holy unto God. Does that make sense this morning? So in this, this passage here in 2 Peter 2, it provides clarity for us about the people and the philosophies that we allow to speak into our lives. Peter warns about certain people who have an agenda outside of God's intent for our lives. 
Okay, so if there's there's no there's no ifs, buts, or maybes in Peter's words. Okay, it's clear and it's a definite statement. He says in in two Peter chapter two verse one that there will also be false prophets among the people. In the Old Testament, there was false prophets, but I find it interesting that Peter tells us just as there will be false teachers among you. Everyone say among you. So. There's, there's this, this whole idea that today, Peter tells us that there will be false prophets amongst us. There'll be foretelling of a, a possible way to live our lives that's separate from God, because they're false. Peter's pretty clear in that. He's not saying that they're true prophets. He's saying that they're false prophets, telling us how that society and certain people who don't abide by God's ways tell us how we should live our lives. So today... There are still those voices around us. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, we read about the authentic voices. Like we understand that you know, there's certain things that God's given to us. And it's, that's about an authentic Christian lifestyle that we see in 2 Peter chapter 1. But in 2 Peter chapter 2, we see the contrast. And if we were to put these two chapters side by side, we could see what God tells us to do in certain ways about living. But we could also see that Peter tells us that there's going to be a world and an enemy out there that's trying to tell us to live a different way from God's intention for our lives. So what I want to do is to very briefly give us a snapshot about those differences that we can see in chapter 1 of 2 Peter and chapter 2 of 2 Peter. Is that all right this morning? So where the first difference we see is that there's a different source at work within them. Okay, so where does the message come from? Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 16 that we did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He also says that we were there. We saw it with our own eyes. That's what happened when Christ was there. But in 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 3 it says that the false teachers exploit us with stories that they've made up. So the source of their information, the source of their revelation comes from something. They're just making it up, up as they go along. They're just making it up. So the true teacher sources what they say from the word of God, but the false teacher relies on their own creativity and just makes it up as they go along. So who's the source of our life-giving words? Where do we get the words of life from? The second difference we might like to see is that there's a different message. What is the substance of the message? In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, It reveals a message centered around Jesus Christ comes from an authentic voice. We have everything we need for life and godliness in Him, in Christ. So we can see that there's a message that, that it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus Christ. But in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, it says that they'll, they'll secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them. So that you can see that there's a clear like, uh, divergence away from what the, these, these believers or these teachers are trying to tell us. They're saying that there's life that we can live and the, their message is not Christ. It's uh, something else. Moving away from the centrality of Christ is really, really subtle. Okay, False teachers will speak about how others can help change our life, but if we listen carefully to what they're saying, we will see that Jesus is not essential to their message. And I love it what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, out of the Message Bible, it says, The message that points to Christ on the cross seems like sheer silliness to those hell-bent on destruction, but for those on the way of salvation, it makes perfect sense. 
It makes perfect sense. And this is the way that God works, and most powerfully, as it turns out. See, our message should be always about Jesus. It should always be about the centrality of Jesus Christ at the, as a focus of what we do. The whole New Testament and, and the whole Old Testament points to Jesus. You can see that there's a thread of Jesus Christ right from Genesis to Malachi. And then you have this, this period of silence and Jesus then shows up on the scene. Because everything is like this great big breath between Malachi and Matthew where this... It's the expectation of who's yet to come and to, to be revealed to the word, to the world, sorry. And he is the word. So they have a different message. Thirdly, there's a different position. What position will this message leave us in? And Peter says in chapter 1, verse 4, that says that the, the, the true Christian escapes the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So the position that we're left in... Okay, as a result of the message of true believers and, and what God's saying to us actually leaves us in the position of being free. We're escaping the corruption that's in the world. Whereas the, these false prophets, okay, they, they promise freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity for a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. So the result of God's word is that a true believer escapes corruption whilst the counterfeit voices that lead people and the counterfeit uh, culture and society and, and the, the demands of, of culture around about us actually enslave us more and more in the depravity of what it's, it's trying to, to, to put out there. For us, it should be a clear-cut case of us. You know what? I'm going to follow God. I'm just going to follow God. See, the next difference is that there's a different character at work. Okay? What kind of people does this message produce? What sort of character do they have? See, a general characteristic of a, of a false believer or a false prophet was that they were arrogant and slanderous. We see that in chapter 2, verse 10. They're experts in greed. Their eyes are full of adultery and they despise authority. Yet the true believer in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 these are the sort of people that are pursuing goodness and self-control. They're, they're, they're pursuing knowledge and the perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness and love. Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 to 23 says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, patience, peace, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. There's no law against those things. So what sort of character is being developed in us as a result of what these people are trying to, to, to tell us how to live? What sort of character would be in, in, uh, as a part of our lives if we lived how our culture dictates that we should live? I know what God wants my life to produce. I know who I want my life to reflect. And his name is Jesus. And he has the fruit of the Spirit in his life. Fifth thing is that there's a different appeal that's at work between these two, two passages here, chapter 1 and chapter 2. Who should we listen to? You know, why should we listen to this, this message? See, Peter says in chapter 1 verse 19 that the true teacher appeals to Scripture. We have the word of the prophets made more certain and you do well to pay attention to it. See, God has spoken and the true teacher appeals to the word of God to know it, to abide by it. This is the, the standard for our lives. It's, it's not that we have to do this. 
So we get to. See, the false teacher makes rather a, a different appeal. They appeal to the lustful desires of sin, sinful human nature. They entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. In chapter 2, verse 18, it says that. So a true teacher asks, what does the word of God say about this? What's God said in his word about this particular thing that we're looking at? Whereas a false teacher will say, what do people want to hear? What, 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 what appeals to their flesh that I can hook them with? Another difference is there's a different fruit. See, the true believer is effective and productive in their knowledge of Jesus Christ. In other words, there's a fruit that's produced from us simply following what God is saying to us. There's this outworking of fruit that happens as a result. But the counterfeit, it says this. Have a listen to the language of this. It says the counterfeit in chapter 2, verse 17, it says like a spring without water. In other words, they promise much, but they deliver little. It's like when Jesus is walking along and he sees this fig tree and he's a little bit hungry. And he's, he goes to this fig tree and he, and he wants something to eat. So he's looking for figs on this tree and there's nothing there. So he curses the fig tree. Then they come back the next morning, they're walking past and there's this withered fig tree there. It's no longer alive because Jesus has cursed it. See, this, this fig tree promised much. It should have been producing fruit. It should have had fruit there ready for Jesus. But it had nothing to offer. And that's what that's, that style of lifestyle, it, it attracts and all, it appeals to us in those ways. It says, I'm going to offer all of this. You're going to be so happy. You're going to be free. You're going to have fun. You know, why do you need to be a Christian? You know, because, you know, it, it's just like a whole load of rules and regulations and, and you have to do this and you have to do that. You have to go to church. You have to give your money. You have to lift up your hands in worship and stuff like that. But if you live my way, then you, know, it's, you don't have to worry about that. You can have fun on a Sunday morning. You can have fun during the week. You know, it doesn't matter if you flirt with your secretary. It doesn't matter if you, you do stuff like that. I mean, come on, it's just a bit of fun. And it entices us. And it produces a fruit that's not good for our lives. You know, I, I, I digress. But, see, sometimes... As, as guys, what we, we like to do is to, to fix cars up. You know, like it's got V8 power and love that stuff. You know, it's great. And we go out and sometimes we buy these magazines that, that show us the latest and greatest of, of motor cars and, and things like that. And it's not long before the car that we'd saved up for and was the, the pride and joy of our garage and our driveway is no longer looking as good and glossy as the car that's in the magazine that were the pictures that we're looking at anymore. It's, you know, it's a bit old and, and I haven't watched it for a couple of weeks and it sounds like a bit of a clunk in the back. And, you know, it's just not really... And, and I look at this magazine, it looks really nice and glossy and, and all of a sudden, what I've got is no longer good enough, and I'm, I'm, I want what's in this magazine, and I'll do anything I can to start to, to make myself available, to get, to get the money to do this. I'll go and get a loan or do whatever I can to get this car that's in this magazine. And it's no longer, you know, a little while down the track, and we just trade in our old car, our old LC Tirana. Our LC Tirana. That was a good car, that was, and I got myself an LH Tirana. But you know what? Sometimes that's what porn does. We've got the woman of our dreams. I'm, I'm just going to say it to you this morning. Is that okay? Sometimes we, we, we've got the woman of our dreams beside us. She's everything to us. 
but we're lured away by an image and all of a sudden our marriage is no longer what it was. We've got to look at what we're doing. We've got to, culture cannot dictate to us how we're going to live. Culture, society cannot dictate to us how that's got to be. We've got to live in a way that, that helps us to, to, to just do what God is asking us to do. Are you okay with that? I mean, that's pretty hard-hitting. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm not sorry I've said it, but I mean, I think that sometimes we've just got to hear it. You've just got to hear it. Is that okay? See, it promises much, but it delivers little. That's sort of a society. See, the, the, the next difference is that there's a different end. Between chapter 1 and chapter 2 of 2 Peter, there's a different end. See, where does this message ultimately lead us? The, the, the cultural things and, and, and what the false prophets are trying to lead us down. We find the most distor- disturbing contrast of all. See, the true believer, the person that follows after Jesus, who lives according to the word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, it says that you receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's great. Yet the false voices, the culture that tries to lead us to lead a life in its way, it says in chapter 2, verse 1, swift is their destruction. In verse 3, it says their condemnation has been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. There's a different outcome. And my encouragement to us this morning is, let's follow what Jesus says. Let's follow, make our message about who Jesus is. Let's live by the power of the Holy Ghost. As we look at the Word of God, we get the Word of God into us. And we start to live in a way that, that you know, it just starts to, to, to take our lives in a whole new direction. It's, it's heaven. We're just going to go and, and, and live for glory. There's so many voices around about us. There's so many voices, but, but whose voice carries the most weight in our life? Who's, does culture dictate to us how we're going to live? Does, does the, 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 the news media or social media, does it, does, is that going to be what dictates how I'm going to live my life? We've got to make a decision. Whose, weight, whose voice carries the most weight in our life? Have a listen to this. This is John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, out of the Passion Translation. So I've got to read it with passion, okay? It says, in the very beginning, God was already there. And before his face was his living expression. And this living expression was with God, yet fully God. They were together, face to face, in the very beginning. And through his creative inspiration, this living expression made all things. For nothing has existence apart from him. Life came into being because of him. For his life is light for all humanity. Verse 14 says, And so the living expression became a man and lived among us. And we gazed upon the splendor of his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, overflowing with grace and with truth. That's who Jesus is. He is the living Word of God. He's the Word of God. So our number one reason for taking the Bible at its word and taking God at His word is Jesus. It's got to be Jesus. Why we're doing this? See, Jesus is the living expression of Father God and His Word. Jesus held Scripture in the highest of esteem, believing it perfectly revealed God's character as well as His ultimate redemptive story for mankind. 
See, so if there's a person's identity, if a person's identity and authority affect how much credibility we give to their words, then it follows that who we say Jesus is will affect how much we trust the Bible. Does that make sense? So, if Jesus is God, who humbly came in the flesh, lived a spotless life, died on the cross and rose from the dead, and was not just a good teacher or a wise guru, then we will want to give weight to what he believed about God's word. So what did, God, what did Jesus believe about God's word? I'm glad you've asked. So Jesus, number one, believed that God's word has authority over man-made laws and traditions. In some societies, you can't say that. You know, if, if I was to tell you that, you know, if, if there's a standard, like if, if God's uh, law or God's word says to live one way, but our culture and our society says that we have to live another way and that we have to exclude what the Bible says because you've got to live this way, I've got to say here, right here, unless the, uh, the laws that are made are contrary to God's law, then we abide by the laws of the land. But when... The law of the land tells me to live in a way that is separate from what the word of God teaches me to live. Who am I going to give weight to? Whose voice am I going to listen to? We don't do it arrogantly. We don't do it arrogantly. We simply say, look, my, my belief is that this is what my father would tell me to do and how I should lead my life. And I respectfully decline to do what you're asking me to do. Respect, honor. There's ways and that there's ways of doing things. Do you understand? So in, in Mark chapter 7, verses 1 to 13, uh, there's, there's a whole uh, area where Jesus talks about inner purity with the Pharisees and the scribes and, and the teachers of religious law at that time in Jerusalem. See, G, they, they noticed that some of his disciples had failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand washing before eating their meal. Uh, and the Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they poured water over their cupped hands, as required by the ancient traditions. This is uh, Mark chapter 7, by the way, I'm reading. So it says, uh, similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. And this is but one of the many traditions that they clung to, such as their ceremonial washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. Pitchers. I wonder how the baseball people feel about that. So the Pharisees and teachers of religious law asked him, why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. And Jesus replied, you're hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, though their hearts are far from me. Their, their worshippers are fast, and they, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Then he continues to talk about how they're, they're trying to lead people astray. See, God, Jesus believed that God's word okay, had authority over the, the man-made traditions and laws of the day. He says in, in verse 9, you're, you're a fine way of, you've got a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. And he calls their outward worship as vain and as being hypocritical. See, Jesus believed that the Scriptures to be of the highest authority, even over man-made traditions, and he created, or, or those created by the religious elect. Uh, so his conviction was that every law, institution, and person should ultimately submit to the authority of God's Word. So the way our culture is changing, we've already seen a wide divide between God's word and what culture is trying to dictate to us as the new normal. 
It's just how they've been created. It's just these things like... The, I'm sure that you can think of what I'm, you know, in your own mind. See, whilst our governments change the laws to make legal certain lifestyles and freedoms, and the pendulum of political correctness swings off the scale, it doesn't supersede God's God's word. It do, uh, you okay with this this morning? Cool. See, we've been empowered by God's Spirit to respond in truth and love to people who live and believe differently to God's Word, and we extend grace to them. We extend grace to them, but it doesn't mean that we copy their way of life. Secondly, Jesus believed that God's Word is necessary for health and life. See, after fasting for 40 days in the wilderness... Satan comes along and says to Jesus, why don't you turn these stones into bread? And Jesus says to him, no, the scriptures say people don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, Jesus is saying that we do need bread to live, but he says that it's not the only source of life to us. We need the ongoing revelation of the word of God, God's living word active in our lives. We need that word of God in us. Through God's word, we hear God's will. We receive life and health through his word, and we are empowered to establish God's kingdom here on earth. I think that's exciting. You know, God's word releases healing and salvation. God's word reveals to us what's in our hearts. God's word brings freedom and it brings hope. God's word creates and increases our faith. God's word helps us to be in relationships with other people around about. God's word can change our very lives. Romans ten seventeen says, faith actually comes and it comes from hearing the word of God. So without the transformative living word of God, sinners remain dead in their sin, but with it they're brought to new life in Christ and are made increasingly into his image. Jesus also believed in God's word that God's word is unchanging. Jesus believed that it doesn't change. John chapter 10 verse 35 says, and Jesus says to, to these guys that you know that the scriptures cannot be altered. See, Jesus was speaking to the accusatory Jews about his identity as the son of God. And Jesus says scripture can't be broken. Okay? God's word does not in, evolve according to the times, nor should it be interpreted through the lens of our culture or political correctness. Hebrews 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It's unchanging. He is the Word of God. He's the living expression. He's not fickle. He's not inconsistent. Not one time doing something here where He extends grace and love to everybody and then suddenly takes it back the next day. He's cons- he doesn't change. See, it's this, the, the Word of God is not some book that people wrote long ago, but it's God's true, relevant, and unchanging revelation to mankind of a loving God who gives grace to people. Whilst God's Word doesn't change, the means of salvation and wholeness doesn't change, the way that we communicate and reveal God's Word to our world must change. We don't dilute the word of God. We don't dilute it down, but we've got to change the method in which we reach our community. It's no longer good enough to stand on a soapbox on a street corner and preach that everybody's going to hell. You can't do that these days. Some people try it and it doesn't work. It turns people off from the message of good news. 
Good news is when someone from a church, a Christian, a believing Christian, comes alongside of someone and helps them to do whatever it is that they're doing in their world with outrageous acts of kindness. We pay it forward. We do things of, of kindness and acts of grace and, and goodness. We, we, we mow our neighbor's lawn. We pay for the car that's behind us in the McDonald's uh, drive through line. It's just little things that, that capture people's imagination about, you know what, there's something different about those people. And you haven't preached a word. We've got to be smarter about doing that. Lastly, Jesus believed that God's word should be obeyed. John 15 verse 10 says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. See, Jesus establishes a direct connection between God's word and our obedience. Because God does all things for his glory and the benefit of his children, his commands actually provide a way of life that doesn't imprison us, it liberates us, it frees us. I don't have to worry about certain things because I'm not in that world. All I need to do is to love Jesus, to follow what God's word says, and you know what, God's going to take care of me in, that, in those moments. When we come to know all that God's done for us because of his great love for us, it won't be a matter of I have to do this because God's word says it. It simply becomes, you know, I get to do this. This is what I want to do. I want to do what my daddy says. I want to do what my Lord Jesus says because he's loved me so much. And my part of in this whole thing is that I want to love him so much back that he sees I will do anything. I'll lay my life down and do whatever he asks me to do. I don't have to do what the Word of God says. I want to do what God says because I love Him so much. So whose voice carries more weight in our lives? See, Jesus is the living expression of God's Word. He showed us what the Word of God is like, the power of it, the life in it, and the purpose behind it. Whose voice is going to carry more weight in our lives? Jesus believed God's word had authority. It was necessary for life and health. And he believed that God's word never changes and it must be obeyed. But Jesus also believed that God's word is number one, the number one reason to trust it. So it's worth considering who Christ is and what he said about God's word. See, 2 Peter Chapter 2 gives us a clear warning about the characters and the culture that will try to lead us down a wrong pathway in life. But then Peter, in John chapter 6, verses 68 to 69, says this. And I love it. That, you know, we can look at what Peter's trying to warn us against, but then he says when he's talking with Jesus, and Jesus is saying to his disciples, you know, after he's given the, the cannibalism talk, that uh, he's it just tr- turned people off and people are leaving in droves, and Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, are you going to leave me as well? And Peter says this, he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words, the message of eternal life, and we have learned to believe and trust. This is the journey that we're on, church. This is that we're learning to, to, to trust and believe what Jesus has said in his word, that it's got truth and it's got power inside of it to help us to live the God kind of life. He says, we've learned to believe and to trust and more. We've come to know surely that you are the Holy One of God, the Christ, the Anointed One, the Son of the Living God. And Jesus said of himself in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come through the Father, to the Father except through me. Whose voice carries more weight in our lives? Does culture... 
Do the characters that live a cultural lifestyle, do they carry more weight in our lives? Or does Christ carry more weight in our lives? Does Jesus have a greater say in what's going to happen and not happen in my family, in my workplace, the way that I lead my life? Jesus has the words of eternal life, but have we learned to believe and to trust and to know and surely know that Jesus is the Holy One of God, the Christ, the Anointed One, the Son of the Living God? So my question to us this morning is simply this. Whose voice carries more weight in your life? Whose voice carries more weight in your life. Let's stand. I'm done.